You are listening to episode number 32 of The Love Noteworthy Show. Welcome to The Love Noteworthy Show, the guide to creating a business, brand, and life you love, taken from the lessons of female entrepreneurs, influencers, game changers, and change makers who have already made it happen. Welcome back everyone to the Love Noteworthy Show. My name is Reese and today we are going to be talking about how to live a happy, sexy life with Dr. Gail, is it Friend? It is. Okay, perfect. Um, Dr. Gail Friend is an amazing sexologist um, who I met in Vancouver, but she's currently residing in Florida and will be jet-setting to a new city uh, very soon. But before we start talking all about uh, sex, relationships, business, kind of all of my favorite topics wrapped into one episode, um, I'm just going to give you a brief introduction to Gail. So Gail is a renowned sexologist, educator, coach, and speaker. She takes great joy in working with clients to help them live their lives with compassion and authenticity and how to develop and balance deep intimacy and passion in their relationships. So... Why don't we start off uh, by you telling us how you became a sexologist, Gail? Okay. Uh, well, first, Reese, thanks very much for having me on the show. I love this. This is great. I love talking about all these three things as well. They're my <laughs> passions. <laughs> um, how did I become a sexologist? Well, basically, at a very young age, I've been studying about relationships all my life. I grew up in a Catholic upbringing, so sex was never discussed, and I was really curious. So I started educating myself really early, and that just one thing led to another, and it was just one course after another after another in different ways. And eventually it got to the point where it was, you know, I should really go to school and study this formally, which I did to earn my doctorate. And I'm having, I'm having a blast. I've got one of the best jobs in the world. I get to work with people and really see them thrive and take their lives from being, you know, basically just surviving to, to really thriving. Um, so part of the reason I got into it was, to satisfy curiosity. I wanted to know more. And then in one of my first relationships, oh, it was, it was hard. It was a really, really rough, rough relationship. And there was a lot of pain. I went through a a phase and my twenties actually, where I call it the period of my sexual hibernation, where I was completely, completely shut down. You trust me. It was, it was not pretty. And so part of my studies involved wanting to heal myself, wanting to know more about the psychology around sex, the psychology around relationships, everything else associated with it. And, what I ended up doing in my formal studies was realizing that the study of sexuality isn't just about sex. It is the study of the sexual, or pardon me, the study of sexology. It includes biology, physiology, anatomy, sociology, psychology, history, education, research. There's, there's an awful lot that goes into it and a lot of intense training on how to be objective, non-judgmental, and accepting the broad diversity of sex, sexuality and relationships because we, growing up, we all tend to have our blinders on to the full realm of possibilities because we're societal messages, family messages, we're taught this is right, this is wrong, whatever, you know, whatever that looks like for each Mm -hmm. individual person. So all of those things led me to where I am now and what I'm doing with couples and individuals. That's great. And one thing that I particularly love about you is that you definitely practice what you preach. You're very authentic. And I know when we first met, we were talking about, or your husband was there, or a partner, and, um, you two have been married for like quite a while and are still as in love as you've ever been, which is so awesome. 
Well, we've actually, actually, we're only coming up on our fifth wedding anniversary. But oh, really? We've been together. Yeah, we've been together for um, over 14 years. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and it's it's been a journey for both of us. Um, you know, it's it really is. Uh, practice what you preach. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, Daryl Daryl was there with me when I went through all of my schooling and. He's learned right alongside of me, um, sometimes willingly, sometimes pulling teeth. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all we all go at our own pace and when we're ready. Uh, but things things have gelled beautifully, and yeah. we we really do have a lot of fun. That's great. Um, so <laughs> why don't we just dive right into talking about relationships? Um, there's so many things I want to cover today. And I wanted to start off by talking about the top three things that people will do to unconsciously sabotage a relationship. So can you tell us? Ah, yes. <laughs> and, you know, one of, one of the key words, unconsciously. Mm-hmm. We get into patterns in relationships, don't we, right? You mm-hmm. know, um, I look back and, and even even in my relationship now, being married, there are times where I'll, I've, all of a sudden I'll go, oops, yeah, that really wasn't cool, Gail. Come on, you know better than that. And I, I can see an old pattern reemerge. And through awareness, you know, I have to go back and back up and say, hey, I kind of blew it. Sorry, can I have a do-over? And um, but but some of the things that are three top, I guess the three top that come to mind all really boil down to one thing that I'll get to. But one of, and these aren't in any particular order, one of the things is thinking that great relationships just happen. Mm-hmm. That if it's, if the chemistry is there, if the commitment is there, that there shouldn't be a need to do the quote-unquote work on it. And that's a myth. We, people change and grow throughout their lifetime. And so re-educating yourself, being aware, that's really key to, to moving past that unconscious sabotage of thinking, you know, limiting belief, thinking that great relationships just happen. Um, one of the other big ones would be comparing your relationship to others and thinking, you know, the grass is always greener syndrome. Yeah. How come, how come, you know, so-and-so and, and her partner or him and his partner would be da da da. But you know, you never know what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah, you really don't know somebody else's. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been, speaking of Facebook, I've been accused of uh, just posting all the, the goody-goody stuff on Facebook. And the reality of it is that I don't believe people need to share their, their dirty laundry. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I believe that what you put out there into the universe, you get more back. So if I post the good stuff, I'm essentially telling the universe, hey, I'm really enjoying this. This was a great thing. I'm celebrating this part of my life right now. And, you know, drawing and attracting more of that to me. So that's how I justify only posting the great things. Um, okay, so you, t- you asked me for three things. So thinking your relationship is a great relationship just happens. Uh, comparing your relationship to others. And the other two are sort of... Mm, tied together, I would say, are keeping score and neglecting to tune into yourself. Mm. So basically playing the blame game, keeping score with, you know, well, I did this and why are you doing that? And I've done this so many times and how come you never and I always or you always. And instead of tuning into self and going, okay, my part is and 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 all of those things that I mentioned, comparing to others, scorekeeping, all of those things are really about disconnection. And that's that's the ultimate top thing, is that disconnecting from the relationship unconsciously by 
by the thoughts you're thinking, by the words you're speaking, choosing to disconnect instead of choosing to connect. Hmm. How was that for a long answer to a really short question? No, I like it. It's great. <laughs> I want to know everything. <laughs> Just tell me all the secrets. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so speaking of relationships and not keeping score and just like really uh, knowing yourself or tuning into yourself, um, we have a lot of guests on the Love Noteworthy show that say that being authentic is the key to being successful in business. So similarly, how can we find our own authentic sexuality, especially when it's like not talked about when you're a kid? And we were talking about this a bit before, how you don't really like learn that much about sexuality and relationships and just how to do them or how not to do them in school or anywhere, really. And it's, mm-hmm. so how do you mm-hmm. how do you be authentic with your sexuality? Well, there there's that's that's really a tough one. You know, it's it's a simple question and again with a very very long answer. Um shame and guilt are two things that most everybody carries to a certain degree around sexuality and how can you be authentic when you have you have those uncertainties, those little bits of self-doubt or um, limiting beliefs that come from the societal messages we grow up with. They, you know, you're supposed to be sexy, but don't talk about sex. Yeah. Or, you know, all of the... Um, compare, sexy looks like a when you look in a mirror and you see, you know, Z or B or or D or whatever other version that doesn't um, really fit in with that, then you you start to question what's authentic for you based on the messages you receive. So finding your authentic sexuality really comes down to what I do when I work with people is I have a very holistic approach. And the five elements of sexuality and intimacy as I see them are your thoughts, which is your mind, your feelings, your heart, your expression, your spirit, your energy, your creativity, your essence. The fourth one being pleasure your body, your sensuality, your all five senses, your activity, what do you like, what don't you like? And then the fifth element, like those those four thoughts of your mind, the feelings of your heart, the expression of your spirit, the pleasure of your body, and the fifth one is connection. How do you relate to yourself and your partner if you have one in each of the above? Mm-hmm. So how do you connect to the thoughts in your mind. What's, what, are, what are you telling yourself? What are the stories you're telling yourself? And why? Where did those come from? Really breaking down those five elements with a lot of curiosity. And that's one of the first things that I, teaching points that I go through with clients is to break that down and to really open them up to looking at looking at their connection to their mind, looking at their connection to the heart, to their spirit, to their body, and asking so many questions. And breaking that down, you find out what's authentic for you. You know, it's like, okay, I've been doing this particular activity in bed um, this way for so long. Why? Why do I think that that's so important? What's what's going on for me in that? When I'm, you know, when I'm getting ready for, for sex with a partner or solo sex with myself, what are my thoughts? What, am I, what are my judgments I'm holding about myself? What are my judgments I'm holding about my partner? Yeah. How am I really feeling about each of these things? Uh, looking at where did you learn about sex? Who taught you about sex? or intimacy, relationships for that matter. And then looking at that person and not, not blaming or finger pointing, of course, but looking at that person and, and asking yourself the question, where did they get their information from mm-hmm. that they're passing on to you? 
So it's, it's about breaking it down element by element and uh, like a massive amount of questions to really get introspective about and figure out what what really is authentic for you. And sometimes it's a process of giving up what you've been used to and relearning what you really desire and what really feels good for you without judgments. Interesting. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's definitely would be advantageous to work with somebody such as yourself with that because it's hard sometimes to just sit down with your own thoughts and process it out. <laughs> uh, I agree. I mean, I am all for working with a helping professional. I mean, I every therapist I know has a therapist. Yes, <laughs> totally. Right? We all have to... We all have blinders on when it comes to ourselves, and sometimes we need someone else to hold up that mirror so we can we can see ourselves a little more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's move on here. I have some questions that um, I received from different listeners and whatnot uh, to remain anonymous, I suppose. But uh, one, of the, <laughs> one of the questions that um, I received was about work stress. So if your work stress is really high and you're putting in long hours and you get home and the last thing you want to do is have sex, but you know that you enjoy doing it, like the actual sensation of it, but it's as if your libido is zero, how can you get out of that funk with your partner? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The, the question of desire, that does come up a lot, yeah. a lot more than you would even think. It is, it is so, so common. And what it comes down to really is a couple of things. What's your definition of sex? Hmm. What's the goal? What's, you know, does that mean both parties have to be completely naked? And if it's hetero, is it, does that mean it's penetrative? And it ends in orgasm. And if those things don't happen, then it's not sex. Hmm. So the first thing is to really define what does sex mean for you? Because sex really in a relationship is about connection. And connecting on a level that, you know, we can't separate ourselves from our sexuality. Our sexuality is part of who we are. And... As, as I was just talking about, you know, it's our sexuality includes our body, mind, heart, and spirit. So all of those elements are combined in it. Um, sex, sex can, you know, think, think of if you have um, physically disabled and if you say that sex is, this is the definition of sex, then you're excluding people who are disabled and may not be able to physically perform those particular activities that you define as sex. And if sex is about connection, maybe sex can simply be caressing, stroking, loving in different ways, looking at all the different possibilities of and saying, okay, you know what, tonight I don't feel like doing this, this, or this, but I am open and willing, two keywords, um, three keywords, open and willing to do this. And maybe that's all you do as a sexual activity to connect. Maybe it's just simple facial caress or eye gazing or whatever that looks like for you. Or maybe that little bit is something that I am open and willing to to doing. Maybe that ignites the fire into something else. Hmm. Because it can if you don't start, you never know yeah. where you're gonna where you're gonna go, right? If you've already if you got that block up that I am not interested because I've got this big definition that it's gotta be this, then you that's too much. So take bite-sized chunks. And the other thing to keep in mind, this is primarily a female audience. Am I correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. So the other thing to keep in mind is to really have, be conscious of the balance of masculine and feminine energy. Mm-hmm. And as women, when we work 
and especially if we're entrepreneurs or, well, I shouldn't say especially, any woman who works, when we are in work mode, in go mode, we are working from our masculine energy. We are force-driven, action-driven. We are task completers. All of that is in the masculine energy. The feminine energy is about softness. It's about attraction. It's about intuition. It's about surrender. And so if you really, to get out of the funk that you call it, which a lot of people do, is to be conscious of, okay, I'm in go mode right now. And to surrender and soften into a sexual experience and let my partner pleasure me, get back into my own body will only serve me because it will help me get in tune and in touch with my feminine energy. And then when I'm in touch with my feminine energy, I'm balancing myself out. I'm not just in go mode. I'm softer. I'm more luscious. I'm more radiant. And realizing the benefit that any sexual activity, whatever it looks like, um, can have with you, then having that as, oh, okay, this isn't about another task to be done. This is about something that will benefit me. This is pleasure for me. Hmm. Interesting. I like it. Um, speaking of just very career oriented women or entrepreneurs, um, and I'm definitely included in this, um, I find that it can be challenging to create a balance between prioritizing work and relationships. And so how can the workaholics of the world really shift their mindset to spend more time nurturing relationships without feeling guilty about lost work time? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I totally know what you mean. I totally know what you mean, especially, you know, especially the ones who also have children thrown in the mix yeah. or blended families and and time is so precious and we want to pay the bills and we want to have a profitable lifestyle or, or a lifestyle that comes from having a profitable business. Mm-hmm. I, I completely understand. Um, so... I'm going to throw something out at you, and I, I think I already know the answer to this, but um, I'm sure you've, you've heard of, at least if you've not read the book by Napoleon Hill called Think and Grow Rich. Yes, I love it. Okay. It's my Bible. <laughs> okay, good, good. I'm happy to hear that. Um, that book, for those who, who don't know, was written in the late 30s. And Napoleon Hill, he spent, it was 25 years in the making of this book. And what he did was he set out principles in this book based on studying uh, 500 of the wealthiest and most successful men of all time. And what did they have in common? And interestingly, the second longest chapter in the book is called The Mystery of Sex, Transmutation. Mm-hmm. And and it's second only to the very practical chapter on organized planning. And even in the longest chapter, organized planning, he also refers to sex and relationships. Mm-hmm. So one of the things to to keep in mind is that study after study after study, his being probably the first or not probably, his is the first that I personally know of, but study after study in all the years since, and even more so in the last 40 years, have shown overall that people who are in a positive, healthy relationship with their partner and who have a positive, healthy relationship with themselves and their own sexuality, they earn more. They achieve their goals faster. They have higher creativity, higher profitability. They interact better with um, their workmates, their bosses. Um, They assimilate information easier. Um, And overall, they're healthier physically, Mm -hmm. believe it or not. So 
keeping in mind that it is vitally important to nurture your relationship, having that as a priority, all of a sudden that guilt about lost work time, if you think about it, it's not really lost time if if in the end, by taking the time to nurture your relationship and explore, embrace, and be empowered by your own sexuality means that in the end, your work time is more productive, creative, and profitable, then you're not really losing any work time. Mm -hmm. What you're doing in nurturing your relationship is giving yourself a more stable base to go into your work with. And that includes, you know, the, the previous question about um, about uh, sex when you don't really feel like it, when you're suppressing your sexuality, when you're forgetting about how vital it is to your life and your creativity, then you're suppressing yourself in all other areas, including how, how you work when you go to work how much energy you have, how much radiance you have, the sex transmutation he talks about, Mm -hmm. taking that sexual energy and applying it to work. So if you think about it as feeling guilty about lost time, lost work time, it's really not. You're nurturing relationship. You're gaining more. You've got more to put into your work when you are working. Very interesting. I love it. Yeah, it's definitely, that's such a key <coughs> mindset shift. Um, I don't know, I, I personally need to work on this. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, and just well, even society, whether it, yeah, we like, value. Oh, go ahead. In, in our society, we value achievement. And nurturing relationships in our Western society isn't really doesn't have the value placed on it that it could. Mm -hmm. And so we think that once we do this and achieve more and we have more money and we can do this and then, you know, the relationship is going to be great because back to one of your first questions, we think that relationships just, great relationships just happen. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I personally try to be conscious of that if-then kind of syndrome where it's like, if this happens, then I can be happy. Then I can be successful. It's like, why don't you just do that right now? <laughs> mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Um, so let's move on here. Oftentimes in relationships, whether they be uh, a, a business relationship, friendship, or with a significant other, uh, we'll sort of, sort of start off in a honeymoon phase where you're really excited and things are electric and emotions are running high and really excited about the different opportunities and all the unknowns. However, after time, this begins to become a bit more routine just as you get to know the person better as you develop a business relationship or whatever type with them um, and the excitement seemingly fades. So how can two people really reignite or continue to kindle their relationships in the long term? Mm-hmm. It's a million dollar question. Relationship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and again, this is one of those things I could talk for hours and hours and hours about. So succinctly, um, again, great relationships don't just happen. and But they all start off great. And we all start off putting the other person on a pedestal and we've got the rose-colored glasses. And then, yeah. you know, over time we start to see all the warts, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all the, the, we realize that, oh, that other person really does burp and fart, just, you know, and, and it's you know, silly things. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you've been holding yourself in check at the beginning and things are exciting and there's a whole lot of, of stuff going on hormonally and in, with neurotransmitters in your brain that you are not even aware of that are, um, that are part of generating that, that excitement at the beginning. So there's an, a brilliant researcher. I adore her. Her name is Helen Fisher. And she talks about the three stages of love. And the first being lust, which is all about sex drive and energy and excitement. And, you know, um, near, talking about neurotransmitters, that's about 
the neurotransmitter of dopamine. And what that is, it's all about reward. And so it's about putting out your best and then you get the reward of this person's glorious smile and their affections and it's exciting. And the romance part sets in where the person that you're with almost becomes like an obsessive fascination and you don't call your friends as often and it's all about the new person. Everything is about the new person. And that that's really focused energy. And so then what happens over time, life takes precedent. You know, you got to pay the bills. Your friends are leaving messages like, uh, hello, where are you? <laughs> and you're going, oh God, yeah, I've got to do that. And familiarity starts to set in with the other person. Everything sort of starts to happen around the same time. So you've had this this fascination with the other person. And now what's happening is you've got diffused awareness. You're focused on the other person, but yourself is starting to come in. Your friends are starting to come in. Work is starting to come in. Family, all these other things are vying for, for your attention. And what it really comes down to is understanding that that is normal. That is absolutely normal in every single relationship that happens. And understanding that, being educated around it, takes the sting out of it. It's not like, oh, this person doesn't do it for me anymore the way they used to. Well, maybe you're forgetting to look at them with new eyes. Mm-hmm. Look at them from the perspective of someone who's just met them. Uh, wait, think, think about when you, you go to a party with a, a partner that you've been with for quite some time and you're, you're in a funk together or, you know, you're at that stage where you, it's lost its sizzle and you go to a party and you see them holding court, if you will, and they're telling a story and they're expressive and they're excited and you can either choose to look at that and go, <laughs> well, what is up? Why isn't he like that with me at home? Mm -hmm. Or you can choose to see that person in their element Mm -hmm. and choose to be attracted to them again, their vibrancy, their excitement, and draw from that to be aware of that other person in their element. That's that. That is what keeps that spark going, that awareness, the consciousness of choice in how you view your partner, learning the skills of relationship. Again, education, education, education. Learn about relationships. Learn about each other. Learn how to create intimacy. I mean, that's the basis. That's a big part of, well, it's the entire course that I teach. One of them is called Create Lasting Intimacy. And we break things down from the very beginning of relationship right through and education and relearning and um, getting learning how to be excited again and how to keep that going for a lifetime. Yeah, and I think that those, uh, what you just said, could definitely extend into business partnerships or just having your own business as well. Like if you're really excited and passionate at the beginning and then after a year has passed of you, working your butt off and it just seems more familiar just really seeing it in the eyes of the customer is so key to reinvigorating your passion and business oh for sure for sure to always always be fresh keep Mm -hmm. it fresh Mm -hmm. okay um let's talk about there's so many things i want to cover so i'm just going to keep moving (laughs) us along here um okay i'll try to keep my answer shorter and no that's no that's going fine I just have so many random or seemingly random questions about different elements of having a happy and sexy life. Um, So as we said earlier, the majority of the audience for the show is women. And I know that regardless of size or shape, there's many women that struggle with body image issues. I mean, like personally, I have a ton of really beautiful, talented, smart, 
business savvy female friends who are really confident in their careers and in their lives, yet they're constantly complaining about feeling fat or gross or needing to lose X amount of pounds by X date. So do you have any suggestions on how we can overcome body image insecurity? I have a ton. Okay. <laughs> a ton. A lot. And for, again, this could be an entire course yeah, just absolutely. on its own. Absolutely. Um, it goes back to one of your earliest questions in this about um, how do we unconsciously sabotage relationships. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's it's the same sort of thing. It's It's about... When when we are talking to ourselves like this, it's about limiting beliefs. Yeah, it's about trying to comply with societal messages. Um, to to overcome it, comparing don't, <laughs> and that's hard, isn't it? Mm-hmm. We're told constantly when we are bombarded with you've got to lose think about the commercials on tv you've got to lose weight you've got to look like this you need a different hair color you need this nail polish you need to have this outfit um your guy better be taking viagra or or cialis or something or there's uh the 10 sexiest top 10 sexiest women out there and you're looking in the mirror going yeah right yeah and i i don't know if you've seen but one of the things that i suggest to people and geez i wish i had thought of this earlier and had a link um there was a thing going around on facebook oh a while back a year ago or so whatever it was where they took a woman, and it was about a minute, maybe 30 seconds even, I don't really know how long it was, and they showed her from very natural, in a photo shoot, it was photoshopped to the hilt about how they applied the makeup, um, the hair, how they changed things, the lighting they did, and it was, you know, fast motion. And then at the end, they took the photo and they elongated her legs and they puffed out her butt and puffed out her boobs. And they even spaced her eyes wider so she looked more like Barbie. And they did a whole whack of things. And what it is about is, again, consciousness and awareness. Really being aware that nobody looks like a Photoshop model. Nobody, even the model. Uh, Cindy Crawford, there was a thing just a few months ago, or maybe not even that long ago, where somebody leaked an untouched photo of her. And she didn't look very much like, well, I mean, sure, she looked like herself, but you could certainly see the things that we perceive as flaws. Why are they perceived as flaws? You know, 98% of women, their thighs touch. So why are we so obsessed with being so skinny that our thighs don't touch? If 98% of women, their thighs touch, well, maybe they're supposed to. (laughs) Maybe there's a reason for that. (laughs) Um, So it really comes down to awareness, consciousness, to focusing on inner self. Too much of um, what what you were talking about just recent earlier is the too much. I'll be happier, sexy when. How about focusing on being happy and sexy now? How about looking at the way things are now? Focusing on a balance of body, mind, heart, and spirit instead of just focusing on body and the perception of that. Look at why you think you need to be that way. To what gain? To what end? There's a difference between wanting to enhance how you look with a nice hairstyle and and makeup and and clothes that are flattering, trying to change who you are. So again, awareness, awareness and consciousness. So how can we as women tactfully set boundaries, whether it be in our personal lives or in social settings or in business, if we're people pleasers? Mm, boundaries. This is huge, 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 huge. Um, how do you tactfully do it? With compassion. Short answer. 
<laughs> Long answer is really knowing your boundaries and why, why do you have a particular boundary and looking at your boundaries in all different areas. When I teach my courses and when I'm working with clients, we don't just talk about physical boundaries, but we talk about energetic boundaries and time boundaries, space boundaries. There are so many things to consider. And then when you say, you know, I really need this, take a look inside and ask why. What what will I gain from this? Whether it's peace of mind, whether it's safety, what does that look like for you? And then when you have all of those those answers, then with compassion you can say there's something I'd like you to talk about or something I'd like to talk to you about. And it's about learning to speak the unspeakable, which a lot of women have trouble doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's really about what I suggest. And, and I've got a script that I take people through and we rehearse it in when we're doing courses and we practice it. And it's to really write things out, get really, really clear First, by asking yourself those questions. What is my boundary? Why? What, what will, how will this benefit me? Is it going to be to the detriment of somebody else? Why am I afraid to say this to the other person? What's holding me back from expressing this? If you know all of those answers ahead of time, then you can go to your partner or your business partner, whoever it is, and say, do you have a minute? There's something I'd like to talk to you about. And I've been a little reluctant to say it before because I've been feeling blank, fill in Mm -hmm. the blank. Um, But if you have a minute, I'd really like to share this with you. So you've already given them the opportunity to prepare themselves for whatever it is you're going to say. Mm-hmm. Whatever you're going to say is probably, uh, you know, they're thinking worst case scenario, and then you're going to come at them with a boundary that yeah. might be fairly simple, and they're going, oh, that? Yeah, I can do that. <laughs> yeah. You know, um, that's that's a possibility, or it might be something that you have to negotiate because it doesn't work for the other person, and then... It becomes, it does become a, ne- a negotiation, but the very first element is to really be clear with yourself about what all the answers are to those questions, so then you can go in with compassion and kindness. Mm, yeah, compassion and kindness are so key, and I think that's an overarching trend that we tend to continue to bring up throughout the questions today. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we think of, of boundaries... You know, we think of harsh, set in stone, but boundaries yeah. are really about communication and boundaries are in flux all the time. People change constantly and a boundary can change from mm-hmm. one year to the next or it can change from one week to the next, depending on the situation. So the, the more we practice setting boundaries and being open to really examining them, then the easier life is because we can constantly be renegotiating these things. And I mean, from a place, a heart centered place, from a feminine place, a feminine energy place, not a masculine, you know, harsh, hardcore boardroom negotiation kind of thing. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. For sure. So speaking of boundaries, um, one Mm -hmm. of the relationship types that um, I have, friends that are part of (laughs) are the friends with benefits relationships. I think like a lot of people in Vancouver are particularly (laughs) non-committal. Okay. um, So do you, in your opinion, do you think that friends with benefits ever work in the long term or no? (laughs) Okay. First I'm going to challenge you on one thing. You think that this is just indicative to Vancouver? (laughs) Oh, I know. Okay. Well, just my friends and I. <laughs> but I think too much is like people have a lot more choice these days, right? And so um, it's more challenging for 
I don't know. I, I've heard that it's more challenging for people to want to commit because they're just, I don't know, the idea of commitment is scary. And when you're more loosey-goosey about things, then you can just have more options available, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that comes from the, we're in the age of instant gratification. Yes. Right? We can get a hold of anybody with our cell phones that are on 24-7. It's, we want something specific to eat, and we can have it delivered to our door in less than 30 minutes. We just, we want instant gratification. And part of this goes back to what I challenged you and, and, and your listeners to before is, how do you define sex? Well, how do you define relationships? What does that look like to you? And, you know, if we are hardwired for connection, going back to neurotransmitters, going back mm-hmm. to hormones, this has been proven by science that we are hardwired for connection. And so ultimately, you know, we want relationships. We want to be adored and feel safe and secure and know that there's that special person who's got our back that we can rely on and we can be there for them too. And Mm -hmm. we all want that. And friends with benefits, hey, if it works, it works. And that's great. I think the danger in it, oh, danger, ooh, I I wish I hadn't said that word. That's pretty harsh. But I think that one thing, it it really, again, awareness, consciousness, why are you in that relationship? What are you really, really wanting? If you are looking for and want to be in a long-term committed relationship, then are you going to attract that to yourself if you're in you know, serial monogamous relationships or you have other partners, friends with benefits without real commitment. It depends what you're looking for. If Mm -hmm. two people really are and they've looked at it, they've they've asked themselves all the questions, it's absolutely what they want for the two of them and they've communicated that, and they keep the lines of communication open, sure, it can work. For long-term, that's up to the two people, right? I mean, everybody's in flux. Things change. We all change constantly. Our sexuality changes throughout our lifetime. We change throughout our lifetime. So does it work? It depends on the definition of of what that looks like to you. Um, For for some, it might, short-term, my experience, just me, this is not research-based, has shown me that more often than not, one will start to develop feelings and want to take it further, and the other one doesn't. Mm-hmm. So, and that can't be predicted. So are you prepared for that? How are you going to handle that? Those are all questions to, to really ask yourself and ask each other talk about those things. Um, If it's just for sex, what is that getting you? Is there a deeper connection or is it just physical? Do you bring emotions into it? How do you bring emotions into it without um, the possibility of deeper connection if you've decided that's not what you want? There's, it's really, really murky territory. Mm -hmm. So basically it comes down to knowing yourself really getting to know who you are authentically, you know, um, educating yourself, asking yourself the questions, the five elements of intimacy and sexuality, body, mind, heart, and spirit. Are you benefiting in all of those areas or is it unbalanced? And only you can answer that question about what's authentic for you. Absolutely. So that's sort of a non-answer, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's okay. It provides a lot of insight into just, again, going back to knowing yourself and just, I mean, every situation is different and it's as long as your expectations, I think the biggest thing is communication, right? Between the two parties. So like you said, it's like if you're open and communicative and it works for you, then it works for you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about uh, past relationships for a second here. How can we process painful emotions and make peace with past relationships that have maybe gone wrong or maybe they haven't gotten over? Or is there like a certain amount of time that we should expect to take after like a longer term relationship to make peace with it? Oh, gosh, you know, it depends on it depends on what the relationship was. It depends on the emotional connection. It depends on a million other things. But the one of the keywords, the keyword you said was process. Mm -hmm. How do you process painful emotions? Mm -hmm. Understand that it is a process. It's not something that you just snap your fingers and it's over. And the other key word is effectively. You have to process these emotions effectively. If, you know, your question was about making peace with past relationships. So that would tell me, you know, things have gone sour in one way or another. So again, consciousness, awareness, authenticity, tuning into yourself at a really, really deep level. Taking the time to really feel what you're feeling. A lot of people, a lot of times, will they'll get out of a relationship, they've got hurt, maybe anger, whatever it looks like. Um, when a relationship breaks, there's, there's heartbreak, right? In one way or another. It's either, it's either been swift or it's been a long, slow, painful death of yeah. the relationship. In either way, either scenario, there's, there's an ache that happens. And sometimes that ache is masked as anger. It can, it can, pre- it can present in many different ways. So th- one of the things is to really just take the time to be with that emotion. If you try to muscle through it, And you try to just get over it. And, you know, what we tend to do is busy ourselves with other things. Oh, come on. You've been wallowing (laughs) enough. Come on. (laughs) It's it's time to get over that. Come on. Let's go out. Let's, Let's go out dancing. Let's get you out. Let's go do this. Blah, 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 blah. Get over it, essentially, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, the only way to get over it is to go through it. There's no shortcut. So when an emotion comes up, when there's a trigger, a memory, whatever, and you feel an emotion, try to take the time for yourself. And it it might not be really convenient. It might happen when you're at work or or you're somewhere where you really can't take that quiet time. But, But as soon as you can afterwards, sit with that emotion. Just let it be. Let it percolate. Let it move around. And this is where it starts to shift. Feel that. And let it be what it is. Because in letting it be, then it can release. One of the things that I do is, you know, I'll be feeling it. And whatever it is. And I've got past pain from relationships. I mean, Daryl and I are... We have a great relationship, but you think we haven't hurt each other in 14 years? Yeah, <laughs> you know, stuff comes up. And so if I'm feeling that way, I just let myself feel it. And instead of pointing a finger and blaming on going down that road, just sit with the feeling, not the, not the mind chatter of it. And breathe breathe into that feeling and then I start to shift my posture I'll be you know I'll find that when I'm in that that sadness or that anger I'm holding a certain posture but if I want to feel happy then I'll be gentle with myself and sit up a little straighter and put my shoulders back lean back get into a comfortable position but chin chin up a little bit. Hey, it's that old phrase, chin up, right? Mm-hmm. Where does that come from? So just get into a more open posture. Let your chest expand. Let Allow yourself to be in an open posture so that your heart space can expand. 
expand and breathe into your heart space. Breathe light into your heart space. Breathe, breathe love into your heart space. And at the same time while you're doing all that or one after the other, whatever works for you, is to remember to forgive. To forgive the other person and forgive yourself for whatever it is that may have been your part in it. And forgiveness, I, you know, I had a therapist tell me one time, and this really resonated for me, was that forgiveness isn't a one-up, just like processing emotions. Forgiveness is a choice to make every single day. Mm-hmm. It's a choice to make whenever a painful trigger or emotion surfaces. I choose to forgive that person. I choose to forgive myself. That's really powerful. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a processing of painful emotions can go on maybe forever. Maybe there will be a point in life where, depending on how bad it is, maybe there will be a point in life where it's just a distant memory. Or maybe there will still be things that come up every once in a while. And that's okay. Because whatever happened to you is part of who you are now. It's, it can never be severed. It's intricately woven into the fabric of who you are. Mm-hmm. And to be mindful of that so that you can move forward. That's great. So speaking of forgiveness, um, which certainly could be considered um, an affirmation or just a phrase that you could follow each day, you've written a lot about how affirmations make a difference in our lives. So can you tell us about this and what are some key affirmations that have really impacted you that others can use? <laughs> sure. And, and you know what? This is going to follow exactly on what we just said. Oh, <laughs> I had a couple instantly come to mind. Um, okay. So going back to Daryl, we haven't heard each other. And here I am. I have created this umbrella program called Authentic Sexuality and Intimacy Process. And I call it a process on purpose because it is a process and under that that's the umbrella and I've got different programs the create lasting intimacy program I talked about discovering authentic sexuality program and so here I am teaching about communication teaching about intimacy teaching about authentic sexuality teaching I've got a course coming up specifically for women how to be authentic and and own who you are and and invite more pleasure and passion and into your life. And, and then Daryl and I have an argument. Well, you think I don't feel like a total fraud? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who the heck am I <laughs> teaching all this stuff when we've got our own stuff that comes up, right? I mean, yeah. that's the nature of relationships or, um, or I get, to the point where I'm working really, really hard and I forget to nurture my relationship or I forget to nurture myself and I'm going, um, oops, Gail. <laughs> so a couple of, <laughs> a couple of affirmations that, that I do that really get me back on track. One is I am an impeccable model of my work. So that might not be one that other people use specifically, but for me, that is a reminder I am an impeccable model of my work. I nurture myself. I nurture my relationship. I am a great communicator. I, you know, so everything is rolled into that. So, you know, you can use that as a launching point for creating an affirmation for yourself, for each person can use that to go, okay, what is it that I really want in my life? Mm -hmm. And to know that this is how I can remember to keep on track. They they help us to get to that point. Right? It, they help us by focusing on, yeah, I am that person. Not I want to get to that place, but I am an impeccable model of my work. The other one I do is I, I my relationship is a divine reflection of what I teach. Always, always, always. You know, you you want to um, word it in the positive. You want to word it in the right now, not I want this to happen. Mm-hmm. 
And those, those keep me on track and they, they keep me honest. They keep me authentic and they keep me, you know, practicing what I preach. Just like you said at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I love those. I'm totally going to use them in my life. I'm going to make a big sign and put it on my wall, I think. I love that. <laughs> no, I love it. I'm an impeccable oh, model of my work. Oh, and here's one. I now live a happy, sexy life. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> should say that every day. And something to do with confidence. And, yeah, make sure you, you know what that means for you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I love it. Um, Okay, so you have an ebook that our listeners can download for free, and this is going to be located in the show notes. How to do this um, called Five Sexy Ideas to Enhance Your Sexuality and Intimacy. Can you give us a pre, a really brief rundown of the five things that we can do? And um, if people want to learn more information, they can download the ebook or the guide. Oh, absolutely, and I I encourage everybody to download it. It's, it's really short. It's really, really simple. Um, and the reason I really encourage people to, to download this is because then you're also on my email list and I am working right now. I'm going to get to your question in a minute. I'm not trying to avoid it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm working on an expanded ebook that's going to be oh, way more information jam, jam packed with value. And um, so I'm working on um, even bigger free giveaway for my website. It's going to include the expanded ebook, a video on the five elements of sexuality and intimacy that I talked about. And it's also going to include an opportunity to, for you to apply to, for a complimentary session working with me. So, um, being on my email list means that whoever's on my email list, they will automatically get these things as soon as I'm ready to launch them. They're in the works right now, the expanded ebook, the video, and the, um, the opportunity to work with me. So, um, the one that, that's on there right now that they can download, uh, the five sexy ideas to enhance sexuality and intimacy a brief rundown, yes. The first thing is all about being sensuous. So, and getting into your juiciness, your lusciousness. Mm-hmm. And what I was talking about before with, with women in particular is about their feminine energy. The second thing is to exude the radiance that comes from being sensuous. And one of the key things to do that is with your smile. And I go into quite a bit about it, but, you know, about just the power of that. And a third thing is your enthusiasm. What kind of enthusiasm do you have? What's it like? What's it like compared to when you were a child? And how that enhances your sexuality and your intimacy with your partner and with yourself, your connection to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, adjusting your scripts, you know, that's question, that's the big thing, curiosity, question, always be questioning. And listen in silence, get real still, listen to your body, learn how to do that. So those are the five main things that I go into in that ebook, and I'm going to expand on even more in the one I'm working on. Well, those definitely sound fantastic. Um, so like I said, definitely download this book. It's totally free to download. Just um, put in your email and your name to Gail's email list. And again, I'll have all of the links on how to do this in the show notes today. Um, so that's all the time we have today, Gail. I just have one final question for you that we ask all of our guests on the show. So the final question sure, sure. is, what is your number one tip on how others can be more love noteworthy in their business their brand, or their sexuality, or their life. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm sort of going to repeat myself. Yeah, it's, please do. Um, it's, it's awareness. It's curiosity. Big. Develop curiosity. It, it's um, consciousness. Being conscious. Being aware. Developing curiosity. 
always be questioning. Like we talked about, you know, you've got to keep things fresh, looking at things with new eyes. Um, why, why, why? In, in my work, like I said, the very first thing I do with, with people is to get them thinking and to develop curiosity. I, every one of my programs is based on a five-step program, and the first thing is always curiosity. You know, identifying thoughts and behaviors, identifying thoughts and behaviors to let go of. Um, you asked me for one thing, but, you know, if, if I can have just a couple seconds extra, yeah. you know, develop that curiosity. And then in the, like, the, the five steps that I do, identify the thoughts and behaviors to let go of. And then comes excitement. Oh, and by the way, I've, I've, I've worded my, my five steps to mimic the sexual response cycle. Curiosity, excitement, arousal, climax, and pillow talk. How's that? Mm, I love it. <laughs> so excitement is, you know, identify the new thoughts and behaviors to integrate and, and get education, learn the new behaviors and thoughts that you can integrate. Arousal, getting really turned on by seeing a new way of being develop. Climax, really claiming your new reality, just going like, wow, okay, I, I never thought it could be this great. Mm-hmm. And the pillow talk, soaking in the bliss of your new reality afterwards. I love it. That's like the most extensive, so, amazing answer I've had so far. It <laughs> <laughs> was great. It all begins with curiosity and a willingness yes. to, to learn. Yeah, curiosity, compassion, boundaries so many great gems. Um, I definitely am going to have a lot of notes from this episode. Thank you so much for spending time talking with us today, Gail. And I know that if people have follow-up questions, they can certainly reach out to you. Would Twitter be the best way or email? Um, actually, the best way to reach me is via email. Okay. And on, on my website, there's a link to how to connect with me. Just shoot me an email and I'm right there. I'll try to get back to you as soon as possible. I, I, you know, can't always immediately, but definitely within a day or two, I'm, I'm right there. All right. So I'm I'm your girl. Thank you so much, Gail. Um, (laughs) I've learned so much personally from this episode this week. And my challenge to all of the listeners today is tell us uh, one thing that you learned from the episode today and what action you're going to take in the next week or month um, to make yourself have a happier, sexier life. I would love to know. So definitely engage with us. Um, email Gail. We can also tweet with myself or her um, and get involved on social media. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. And I hope you have an amazing week. And thank you again, Gail. Thank you so much, Reese. It's been a pleasure.